Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for listening to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. I'm always excited when we have guests on, but I'm really, really excited today because the the guest that we have on today is really one of the people who defined this genre of contemporary jazz. He has over a 40-year career. He's a pianist, a composer, an arranger, a conductor, an educator, a radio personality that has released over 40 of his own projects. In addition to that, he's collaborated with a ton of artists, really a who's who of of not just contemporary jazz artists, but great musicians. People in the contemporary jazz world, though, like Patty Austin, the Rippingtons, and Dave Koz, just to name a few. He's played for presidents and heads of states. He has stopped the top the charts many times, been nominated for multiple Grammys, conducted some of the world's top orchestras, and scored music from, for film and TV. Please welcome to the show today, the incomparable David Benoit. David, thanks for joining us. No, oh, my pleasure. Nice to see you, Carl. Good to see you, too. So I got so much I want to talk to you about, David, but <laughs> I, I want to start here with a career that has spanned over four decades. How have you managed to stay so relevant and at the top of your game over all that time? Well, I think basically it's just about creating and just always creating and mm-hmm. trying new things. And I really try to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a few new things now. Uh, and this has been kind of a unusually quiet time in my career. Usually around January it tends to be kind of quiet. So okay. it's an opportunity to try new things and think of new ideas. Always thinking ahead, always yeah. thinking about creating uh, new things. Yeah. Like what's that process for you though? Like, is it like, as you're, when you have time like this, where you have a little extra time to think, do you have process that allows you to to look at things differently are you out there searching for new musicians and being inspired by that how does that work for you well for me sometimes it's just a matter of just something simple like taking a long walk yeah okay amazing what what music i come up with or ideas i come up with by just being out in nature yeah there's a nice park near my house uh that i like to walk in there's some horse trails that are very and quiet and so i kind of off being by myself and so sometimes it's just as simple as that taking a long walk and then coming back uh and opening up uh my music writing program and yeah so sometimes I'll get started on things uh, and then I'll come back to them. Like, well, I started something a few months ago. Let me come back to that and see okay. what I'm doing with that. And and that's sort of my process. And usually when I sit down to the computer or if I sometimes I just go old school and sit down at the piano with a pencil and a paper and okay. just see my ideas come out. <laughs> I yeah. did that as that's cool. That's cool. So you wear so many different hats. You're a composer, obviously an artist, a conductor, an educator, and other things. Talk to us about what each of those roles requires of you that might be a little different from the other roles. Yeah, especially uh, like, for example, yesterday, I had my first rehearsal with uh, my youth orchestra, the Pacific Vision Symphony. Cool. And that's a whole nother side of the brain to get up in front of 55 young people. Yeah, I bet. Conduct, uh, we conducted, I conducted the Candide Overture by Leonard Bernstein and Hoedown by Aaron Copeland, two of my all-time favorite pieces. Okay. And listen, and of course, they're, that first read-through is going to be pretty rough, yeah. but that's okay. And learning how to keep it very positive uh, with the kids, not to berate them or, or get too impatient with them because you know they're young and they're learning and they want to be there and so okay let's work on it again and let's look at certain things i I try to just help them unlock their own abilities and so that's it's a very different creative process than me just being alone uh in front of the computer or me being in front of uh some you know thousands of enthusiastic fans playing my own music so that's a whole thing so yeah (laughs) i'm lucky to be able to you know, use those different talents. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So how did this musical journey start for you? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> it, started <with> a, <laughs> it started with a piano in Bakersfield. Kevin McCarthy was my neighbor. Uh-huh. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, I guess that is. Um, so if that's the case, thing. it started over and over and over and over, and over, right. and over again, right? <laughs> <15 times. No. laughs> 
Yeah, you have to be able to joke about it, right? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I am from Bakersfield. Uh -huh. um, and that's how it started. When I was uh, six years old, the piano was in my bedroom and I, I started huh. kind of just picking out ideas. My mom would come in and play because she was a classical pianist. Okay. I mean, that's, that's for fun. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, I, I watched her play and at one point she tried to give me lessons that didn't work. Uh, uh-huh and then, um the, the funny thing was when we they sold that house and they moved down to the beach in hermosa because they, they wanted to be near the ocean and they sold the piano so uh -huh. a few years i went without one so i think by the time i got piano lessons i was just so ready because yeah. i just loved playing the piano and very different story than you hear most people that had to practice and didn't got kind of turned off to yeah. it but i the opposite i just couldn't wait you yeah. know i didn't go to neighbors' houses that had pianos and mm -hmm. bother and want, always want to play. So it was clearly <laughs> a very early love for you. Yes, yeah. it was. Did you know you wanted to be a musician early on, or did you toy with other things that you thought maybe you might want to do for a career? That was pretty much it. It was pretty, pretty one-sided. And I'll say during that same period, a lot of my compositional ideas came up because I would just kind of try to come up with ideas on the piano, much like I do now. But when I was six years old, although I didn't have a tape recorder back then, uh, I was just messing around with ideas mm -hmm. for it. But uh, I think, yeah, it just, it just seemed to be that was going to be the only thing I was really very good at. I, I wasn't particularly very good in school, with, especially with math. I was terrible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it just seemed like music was, was really uh, calling to me. And I think around the time I was... 16 was when I started thinking that uh, I was about the time I thought this is something I'm going to do professionally. So. Okay. Okay. What was your, <laughs> what was your first professional gig? Yeah, I remember it. It was at uh, the stage door cafe. It was the backstage of an old abandoned theater uh -huh. called the uh, Los Angeles auditorium. It was down at downtown LA. I'm not sure are, are, where, where I'm, you're from. I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're in Milwaukee. Yeah. Oh, Cold okay. weather place. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I don't know if you know LA. To, are you too familiar with A little with Los bit. Angeles? Yeah. I used to come bit. out to LA okay. quite a bit. Oh, cool. Cool. So this is like right downtown Los Angeles, like uh -huh. fifth and olive. You okay. Know? And we loaded up the station wagon. I was 16 years old. And we had a band and uh, we played at this coffee house. That was my first wow. gig. The Dave, I, w I was going by Dave when I was a kid, a Dave Benoit trio. Okay. And I had a Silvertone amp and a wordlesser electric piano. All right. All right. All right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Our listeners can't see this, but as David and I are talking, Behind David is just a wall full of awards and accolades. And, you know, you've you've pretty much done it all over your career. So what, if anything, now are you looking to accomplish with your career? Are, or are you making music for the love of your craft? Well, a lot of it now at 69 years old is uh, the love of the craft. Uh, I, I, I'm going to... Full disclosure here. Yeah. And I think it's okay for fans to know that uh, I, I experienced some rather severe health issues last year. Oh, sorry to hear that. And, uh, yeah, just uh, it, it has to do with kidney disease. Okay. And so I had to start uh, hemodialysis. Oh, okay. So it's been a challenge because that's limited my ability to go out and travel. Yeah. I had to turn down the Dave Cause Christmas tour. Okay. Uh, heartbreaking because uh, yeah, I love that tour and I I I, I co-founded it with Dave. Yeah. Uh, years ago, or twenty years, twenty five, twenty five years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I joined him on stage. I jumped on stage and when they were in L.A., but uh, it was tough. Uh, so I'm still traveling. It's just I have to plan a little bit in advance yeah. and hoping uh, for a, for a new kidney. I'm on the list for a transplant at UCLA. Okay kind of waiting. Uh, so it's presented some real challenges. Yeah. Uh, slowed me down a little bit, but I'm still as creative as ever. And, yeah. and really, so right now, my focus has been more of just a, a personal joy of continuing to create because man, w once that stops, it's yeah. over. Yeah. So the creative process is continuing and I'm now after making 40 records, I am thinking, well, what's my next step? I don't even know. Uh -huh. I figure that out so 
I'm at a very interesting place in my career where I have accomplished a lot. I'm very happy about that, but there's, there's still a lot to do. So yeah. Yeah. To create as much as I can. Yeah. Well, I, we will keep you in our thoughts and our prayers and hope that you receive soon a new kidney. Um, I have a loved one who has been in the same situation and received a new oh. kidney and it made, I mean, all the difference in the world for their life. So it's will. incredible. And, and the more I find out and I'm glad I've gone public with it because I, I do find more and more people that are in that same position. Yeah. I, when they get their new kidney, it's like they, they get their life back. You it, know? It's, it's so true. true. It's so true. It really is. It's, it's no fun to, you know, go yeah. three days a week to be hooked up to a machine, you know, yeah. I, I, I try to bring my uh, laptop and watch movies and uh-huh. stuff like that, but still, it's 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 a challenge, and yeah. so I'm trying to do my best with it. Yeah, well, we will keep you in our thoughts and in our prayers for that, and that you hopefully will be uh, you'll be receiving a new kidney soon. With yeah. all of the collaborations you've done, David, I mean, you've collaborated. You're just talking about you know helping to found the Dave Cos Cruise 25 years ago and there's so many people like i could take the hour that we have just talking about the people that you've collaborated with but are <laughs> are, are there any that stick out as as just the most fun collaborations that you've had yeah i mean i'm i'm trying to look back and uh there's been a few i i i really enjoyed and I didn't expect to, we were kind of almost rivals for a while. Russ Freeman okay. and the Rippingtons, uh, the Rippingtons and I kind of, kind of came, came into the scene around the same time. And uh-huh. I, um, uh, uh, decided to, you know, Russ and I kind of struck up a friendship and then we collaborated on, uh, two records and, and we just had more fun. I mean, I'm going to his house in okay. Florida, hanging out with him and, uh, he's a lovely guy and, and a really talented musician. And so I, I think that was one of the real fun. Yeah. And then you have Mark Antoine, who's a whole nother energy. He's a, he's a Frenchman. He's, uh-huh. he's very passionate and very wild and crazy and fun. And so, uh-huh. you know, I remember uh, having a few, um, you know, there was a little bit of wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a lot of fun too. Now, Mark is, uh, now he's in Spain. He moved back to Europe. And ah. He's very happy and so yeah, that was that was another particularly fun collaboration. Yeah, cool. Who would you say coming up in the industry were some of your biggest uh, influences musically? Uh, one of them, I think, one of the biggest ones was Dave Grusin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I remember uh, early on in my career when I was twenty-one, I was playing with this drummer named Alphonse Muzan. Uh huh. Sadly, no longer with us. And uh, he went into the studio to do a record. He said, he's going to, he's going to add some studio musicians. And I said, great. And so I get there and it's like Lee Rittenauer, Dave Grusin, wow. and many others. And then now I can't remember their names, but I was sitting right next to Dave. I was playing the Fender Rose. He was on the piano and uh-huh. my idol. And it was, I was so nervous, you know, to even be <laughs> in the same room with him, you know? And uh, I remember giving him one of my records, my earlier recordings, and uh, then a few years later, uh, his company called me uh, and said, do you want a record deal? So awesome. that turned into a long association with Dave. And so I, I got a chance to make a lot of records for GRP. And, yeah. and he remains to be my all-time hero. And now he's he's another incredible example of someone that uh, at 80 and is well into his late, almost late 80s now, still performing, still yeah. creating. I mean, what a role model. Yeah. Oh. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, let's listen to a song that was a big hit off of your initial, off of your GRP debut release. This is Freedom at Midnight.
All right, everybody. You just heard today's guest, David Benoit, with his hit song, Freedom at Midnight. So when I listen to your music, David, I got to tell you, there is just this peacefulness that runs through it for me. How are you hoping to impact listeners with the music that you make? Well, that's that's a good uh, way to describe it, a, a peacefulness. My music's been a way for me to find that. Sometimes it's not always the case, you know, mm-hmm. and there's always a lot of pressure to, to do things, but uh, my music becomes kind of a sanctuary. And I, I would hope that, I mean, I did a performance uh, recently and I decided to sing a song. I, I'm not a singer, but it was this, this, it's a very poignant, beautiful piece called the doctor is in. It's all about Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. Talking to Lucy and how tough it is for him to, you know, that he was bullied in school and just didn't do too well. And yeah. so I sent the song and I, I had a fan come up to me. He said, well, I wasn't preparing to cry during your ah. show. It was so emotional and it just moved him thinking of his own childhood. And yeah. so when that happens, um, it just makes me feel so good that I've touched somebody's yeah. life. It, in, in a good way, maybe if they're sad or they cry or they're happy, but that my music has touched someone's life in a because there, I mean, let's face it, there's so much negativity. Oh, there you is. Know? There's no doubt about we, it. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's so no doubt we about need it. as much positive and good yeah. vibes and good feelings as, as possible. So I'm I'm glad I'm able to do that for people. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on a little bit little secret as I was preparing for our interview today. I just lost my mother-in-law a couple days ago, right? And I listened to my guests' music for a couple of days before I interview them, right? Just to so that I know and understand. And I got to tell you, David, you do impact lives with your music. When I say peacefulness, there was just a calm, a zen that I hadn't felt in a while when I was just listening to your music. And I sat... I sat in my in my chair in my bedroom for one afternoon and listened to your music for about three hours consecutively. And wow. it was it was just a sense of calm and peace that was just like, wow. It was like 100 pounds have been lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So know that what you're putting out there, it's working for people. Yeah. <laughs> it's working for um, people. We're really happy to hear that. I, I used to like... Uh, Go. I my first trip to Milwaukee was with Lady Kazan at okay. the Fister Hotel. Yes. My mother had a friend that lived there. We used to hang out there, and then I remember one night we played there in the lounge where with the Montgomery Brothers. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it wasn't West, but it was like Buddy Montgomery. Okay. I think of, was he the one that played the vibraphone? I think so. I but think, I think so. they're from. I thought they were from Wisconsin. Okay. Milwaukee, okay. Maybe. Yeah, we had Milwaukee has had a pretty decent jazz scene over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're Al Jarreau is a Milwaukee yeah, that's native, right. Al, you know, yeah. and we so did a, there's another collaboration. Uh, Al and I did a tour together. Yeah. Was yeah. That ever fun? <laughs> what was it like working with Al? Oh, it was a blast. What, yeah. what a beautiful spirit. Uh, what I remember is he, he would be on the tour bus and uh he would eat a whole jar of peanut butter. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I, just one of his things he liked to do. And one time he was talking to me and it really, he said this one thing to me and, and it, you know, this is already 20 years ago. So I was much younger and he looked at me and he, he said, you know, he, he, had, he was already uh, a few years older than me. And he said, he just looked at me and said, well, is this all there is? Is this it? Huh. <laughs> it was huh. kinda, he was kind of saying, you, you get to a certain age and go, well, yeah, this is pretty much it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> kind of profound. He he was very profound and of course a, a wonderful uh entertainer and singer. Yeah. And, and yeah, that that was we we did a Christmas tour together. Oh, uh, awesome. The country. Yeah, that was I would have uh, would have loved so to have seen fun. that one. That Yeah, one of the things we're trying to do here in Milwaukee is I'm trying to do something to recognize Al, either get a mural painted on a building here in town wow. or, you know, a statue somewhere, but like he's mm-hmm. one of those people who we our city should really be recognizing and we're hoping that we can do that. So Yeah, that's be fantastic. So, how are you impacted when you are when you do have an opportunity to get on stage? Are you impacted much by the fans and their reaction to your music or are you in your zone you know playing from your heart and and just in that focus mode 
Well, a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, I think if you think back to some of those early recordings by Ramsey Lewis, uh, and Ramsey was another huge mm-hmm. uh, influence on me. And then I got to meet Ramsey and, and work with him, which was amazing. Um, but think about, he used to play at a club and he did a lot of live recordings there uh, in Hermosa Beach okay. called The Lighthouse. So it was like blocks from where I lived. And so I used to go there as a teenager and the crowd reaction, I, I could see really got him going, you know, yeah, he, yeah. He could just be right with him, you know? So the crowd makes a lot of difference. It uh-huh. really, does, especially in the jazz club setting, you know, you know, like you go to a classical concert, you're not supposed to make a peep, right? Yeah. You right, know, right. 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 So <laughs> you know, come on, you're supposed to get involved and clap after a solo and, you know, just let it all hang out and, and, and let the artist know that you're feeling it, you know? And so it's great for me when I get those kind of audiences that are really enthusiastic and, and listening, not, not the kind of audiences that are they're, And I've had those too, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, they got their backs turned to you yeah. and they're talking to their friends, you know, that's no good, but the ones that are there to hear the music and react to it, uh, it really makes all the difference to uh, the f- folks like me that are on stage, uh, yeah. knowing that they're really feeling what you're doing. That's fantastic. Well, let's take a listen to another song. This was a number one hit for you. How about uh, we listen to Waiting for Spring? Thank you. 
All right, everybody. That was our guest today, David Benoit, with his number one hit, Waiting for Spring. David, tell us a little bit about that song and how that song came to be. Well, uh, yeah, interesting story. I'd already made several contemporary jazz records for GRP, and uh, I wanted to do a a more acoustic straight-ahead album. Mm -hmm. So it it was more for me just to kind of have a record to kind of listen to at home and something kind of relaxing, And because I I always like to listen to Bill Evans or Stan Getz uh-huh. and that, that cool jazz. So I wanted to make that kind of record. So I approached the label about it. They were against it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, this is what you're known for. And so I, they gave me a, just a minuscule budget. And so I had to do it all in one day. So mm. we did it all live with Jeff Weber as the producer. And I got a great guitar player, Emily Remler. Okay. Who really made that record just really happened. So we recorded it. And we didn't really even have titles for songs. It was just song number one, song this, and mm-hmm. whatever. And so I, the Larry Rosen, who was the head of GRP, listened to it and he said, "Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool, but it's pretty straight ahead. I mean, this is a real different kind of record, you know, uh-huh. especially the first track, which turned out to be Waiting for Spring, and it's just so different." He he said, "Can, can you come up with a theme? I mean, maybe we can." Like maybe something about the winter. He was just kind of, you know, this is where Larry was a genius. He, okay. he was really good at marketing things. Okay. So we uh, came up with this winter idea of waiting for spring. And uh-huh. so that became the title track. So the whole idea was we're in the winter months, like like the album would come out right about now. Where we're all yeah. freezing and cold in our houses. So like we had to go cabin fever. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so that was the theme of the record. And then uh, we shot the cover. It was Andy Baltimore's backyard. His, his huh. bench was snow, and that turned out to be the cover of the album. Oh, that's and, cool. And uh, behold, it became my best-selling album. Yeah. Of, you know, How of about that? It was Waiting for Spring. It yeah. was a number one. I have it up on the wall somewhere as a number one jazz uh, album. And, and so, yeah, it was, so I was... Yeah, I was in Kidka. I was number one uh, in that year. It was uh, below me was Harry Connick, George Benson, Earl Clue, Michelle Camilo, Chet Baker. Wow! <laughs> wow! Talk about a, talk about a list, man. <laughs> so I was very proud of that uh, that we accomplished that. So and that's, as you well should have been. As you well should have been. Thank you for choosing that too. That I, I uh, that was a good that was a good choice. Oh yeah, it's a lovely song. I love that song. That's one of your that <laughs> one. And um, I tell you, that's one of my favorites of yours. And the song that you did with David Puck, "Find the Key to You." That's oh, yeah. a song that I just oh, I've always loved. That song. I've always mm-hmm. loved that song. So two of my favorites of yours. So yeah, thank you. So we do this segment on the show, David. It's called Bout It or Doubt It. If you're about it, it's something that you're you're like or that you're down with. If you doubt it, it's something you're not feeling. Can we get you to play our little game today? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I started this body body. If you bout it, get them up. I mean you body body. I mean you body body. We say you body body. I represent. I doubt it. All right, so we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category. All right, your category today, David, is travel and leisure. So, oh, about okay. it or doubt it, road trips by car. Um, uh, doubt it, yeah. Doubt it, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. okay, <laughs> okay. All right, you are you, uh, do you, do you like travel or are you, you more like, you want to do the airplane thing or, you know, or. Yeah, I, I, I like travel. I usually tra- like to travel by plane, but sometimes I would say if it's local, like I like to like from L.A., I like to go out to uh, Joshua Tree out to the desert. Sometimes oh, yeah. And just, so that's that's a drive. It's not too much of a drive. So. OK. OK. I that. Yeah. 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 I've never done drives like go across the country or anything okay. like that. Okay. <laughs> I have you done the have I I did this probably 10 years ago now. But I did the California One Drive. Have have you done that one? Uh yeah, I'm not maybe not the whole thing, but I I've I've taken California One uh, certainly up through Big Sur up to Northern yeah. California. That's yeah. that's a great drive. That yeah. is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. That is, is absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> my my family and I, I have a, a wife and a 16-year-old daughter. We have a hard time figuring out what we're going to do for vacations. And mm-hmm. so we all put a, a trip option in the hat each year. And then we oh. pick from the hat. 
And my option that I put in the hat this year was to drive the Eastern Seaboard. And so oh. we um, we are going to be doing that this summer. So I'm well, really looking great. forward to it, that. It's fu- funny you should say that on a related topic. My wife is from Japan, had never been to the East Coast. And okay. we, I had a gig in um, South Carolina. Yeah. In upstate, no, it was Long Island, New York. I, I was going to get, a, I was awarded a doctor's degree in music from a, a college there. Oh, cool. And it, it was about five days in between. So I said, well, why not just make it into a road trip? So we rented a car. Uh-huh. We drove uh, up the East Coast. Uh, <laughs> That's and, cool. Okay. Uh, I'd never even been to the East Coast. It was so much fun. And we yeah. stopped these, like inns along the way. And uh-huh. there was a place that had a, uh, a Frank Lloyd Wright house we stayed in in, in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. And it was just a beautiful trip. That was so much fun. It sounds like it. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to that trip. All right, well, let's yeah. do one more about it or doubt it. About it mm-hmm. or doubt it, safaris. Um, I would love to go yeah, on a safari. Okay. I never okay. have. Okay. So I'll, I'll kind of not sure how to answer that, but um, yeah, that's about would, it. That's about it, though. It's about, it's about it. Kind of like a, like a bucket list thing. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, wouldn't that be amazing? But I would have to do it in style. A certain, you know, maybe have nice accommodations. Yeah. And, but I certainly would love to do that. The way that would be really something. Uh, and you know, if I ever would be lucky enough to, yeah. to do that. I, you know, we, we have that in common. I would love to do it as well. And I would definitely want to do it in style. I was watching yeah. something on YouTube or something the other day, and I was just amazed at how close some of those vehicles get to some of the animals, right? And and like some of these large animals, right? I think it was, mm-hmm. there was a giraffe that was like, just came right up to this vehicle. It was an open air vehicle. And it was kind of like, whoa, that's the part about it that makes me a little bit nervous because I understand <laughs> that these are, these are wild a- animals. And when you do that, yeah. you are invading their habitat. So anything yeah, can happen, right. but I would love to do it at some time. I would love to do it at some time. Yeah, wouldn't that be something, man? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So as really one of the godfathers of this genre, David, I know you have inspired a lot of artists. And I'm just curious, like, what have some of those artists that maybe those younger artists that have looked up to you or that have inspired you, what has it been like to kind of see some of their careers go and take off? and, And who are some of the people that have inspired you along the way as well? Well... Uh, this one, um, I met this one pianist when he was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Is Taylor Eisty? Okay, and he's, he's very accomplished in the st- very in the straight ahead. But it was funny when we first met. Um, you know, he learned all my songs. And okay, so, and then he was one of those kind of I, I, I don't use the word genius lightly, but mm-hmm. he was already playing every Charlie Parker solo in the world when he wow. was. 12. Wow. And so he kept going and now he plays with, uh, he just won a Grammy award for his album. He's in his forties now. It's incredible, but huh. yeah, he's playing with, uh, 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 of course I can't think of any, a single, I mean, a lot of the really top straight ahead, pure jazz, yep. uh, artists, um, and, and, and I'm just having too many senior moments here, but, uh, yeah. certainly he's just very accomplished lived, lives in New York. Okay. And, uh, so very proud of him and, yeah. and develop into something, a direction that I never took. You know, I, I was always more on the popular yeah. contemporary side, but to see him, you know, uh, uh, really get into that world and do it so well. Yeah. And another, another one of my students, um, became the conductor of the New York youth symphony. Oh, wow. Yeah. His name is Michael Rapper and very proud of him. And his album just got nominated for a Grammy award. So oh, cool. Uh, his, his orchestra. So, um, and he, again, he was nine or 10 years old, he used to come to my concerts and then be, he joined my youth orchestra and, and to see him, you know, go to such great, get, have such great career success is really. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so for, from your perspective, how has a contemporary jazz genre evolved over the past few decades and how would you like to see it evolve in the future well um i think there's 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 good you know there's good and bad on that uh there there are a lot of artists that are continuing to uh create and do really innovative things um i think there are as well as there are artists to me sometimes i'll put on the smooth jazz channel and i i'm I'm feeling like boy a lot of the stuff starting to sound the same and i think Mm -hmm. probably 
artists have gotten too concerned about radio where like they just yeah. get so safe oh we don't want to do a a chord change that's too difficult for the listener and i think they're thinking too much that way and, yeah. and it's dumb. i think it's dumbed down the format a bit mm-hmm. uh, just to be very honest yeah yeah and and yet among artists there are a lot of great younger artists that are really doing great things and and innovating so there's yeah. room for a lot of new people to come in i've been trying to walk that fine line of putting out records that uh, are interesting harmonically and mm-hmm. say but still can get airplay you know yeah, so yeah yeah like the tune i wrote with jeff lorber it's called uh, pioneer town mm-hmm. is getting a lot of play on um on watercolors and i'm happy about that yeah but it's it's, it's an interesting tune so the, the the challenge is can you can you write something and make something musically interesting and stay true to yourself but still you know get on the radio because radio is important you know yeah. it's how yeah, sure you do uh, touring and and yep. uh so so that's the, i think i think the state is good right now but it, i think we need to continue to be creative and let's yeah. not be afraid to try a new idea and i think radio if if it's really good and it has something to say we'll respond yeah i i think that's a great a great point I, and that a great you know challenge to 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 continue to be creative and to try to be different i think that you know for me i've listened to so many artists and i love listening to new artists because i'm looking for and listening for like something that's a little bit different sometimes right and mm-hmm, yeah. it, I think it it sparks that. I mean, again, great music makes you feel something. Uh, I'll tell mm-hmm. you an example. I had um young man um, Lamech on the show, uh-huh. um uh, a couple weeks ago, and just listening to him play his guitar and him talking about, you know, what moves him and how he's influenced. Is like, yeah, this is this is what the genre needs some more of, right? It's great that we have the things that we have in the genre, but adding in people who do things a little bit differently. That's cool. Yeah. And I think sometimes nowadays you can probably find a lot more very highly creative, innovative artists that are going to be on um, TikTok or mm-hmm. YouTube. So the social media thing, yeah, I think there's so much room for creativity in that genre. So yeah, uh, that's an area I think that's been really exploding with a, a lot of I mean, I've seen just some phenomenal talent. You know, you just see a clip of someone doing some amazing um, guitar work or, or, or a beautiful yep. song that you might not even have ever heard of. You know, but they're 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 doing stuff, and so that social media has allowed these artists and not necessarily even have record deals or anything, yeah. but just be able to be creative and put their music out there for everyone to check out. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, with your such such a successful career is there a thing or a couple of things that you could point to in your career that you could say you were the most proud of um yeah i mean there's there's a few um i think um, one of the career highlights um and and not a lot of people know this but it was it was a real highlight for me is that i uh, conducted beethoven's ninth symphony wow um, at Disney, Walt Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles and that was just huge for me yeah. um, i worked on for over a year uh and and that that's a notoriously difficult piece to conduct it's yeah. it's, it's like one of the great pieces of all time with a, with a, all the singers and and all the it, it's an it, it, it you know for someone that's a jazz guy mm-hmm. to, to attempt that i i don't know of any jazz guys that have ever conducted beethoven's night right <laughs> a, right no kidding no i don't know i just jumped into the deep end so and i <laughs> I, met, 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 I wound up getting a review it was actually a pretty it was a decent review actually okay. i thought it would have terrible from the classical music critic of the la times and ah. he said david's a you know a, a smooth jazz guy but you know he did a good job and um uh put together this event and uh so he had some nice positive things to say which thank goodness but uh it, it was something i'd worked on so that was that was a career highlight of course uh i'll never forget the my first concert tour of the philippines mm-hmm. 81 and uh no idea that i had any popularity over there and uh-huh. it was i feel like i felt like the beatles you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's and, awesome you know, so excited to uh have me and and gave me the full artist uh treatment and we had a full orchestra and wow. played it about three nights at the huge uh picc 
so, so I think that memory sticks with me. Uh, of course, playing for, uh, for the president of the United States, yeah. uh, was, uh, Ronald Reagan in the, in the East wing on the Steinway piano uh, of the uh-huh. white house, Patty Austin. Yeah. That was another big, uh, moment for me. So I've had, I've had a few. That's awesome. That's awesome. What advice would you give your your thirteen year old self about life, David? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a great question. Um, I think two things. Of course, to you know, I would say follow your passion, work hard, but yeah. but also uh, be disciplined about it too. Don't yeah. don't get far in you know, uh, especially the temptation of, of 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 getting into jazz, the temptation of doing drugs or alcohol, mm-hmm. where you gets you away from the, the goal that you're seeking. So to, to stay away from that, to really uh, follow your dream, but to work hard, the, the, yeah. the work part of it's important too. practicing, yeah. um, you know, and, and re- really getting your craft as good as you can get it. Yeah. Is good. That's great advice. I was having a conversation with a, a young man that I mentor the other day, and he was saying, talking about how he started to study and he saw results. And I, Said to him, yeah, there's no, there's no substitute for the work, you know, no matter what you do for a living, you have to do the work to, if you Mm want to succeed. I think some people get lulled into this fantasy because some people make it look so easy, but no one sees the hours and hours and hours behind them making it look easy, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I had, we just had our first rehearsal for our youth orchestra yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. Um, this little 12 year old boy, he's really cute. And he auditioned on cello. He wasn't technically the, a great cello player, but he was very anxious to be in the orchestra. And then I, I just, and then his parents are from Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there, there was just some special kind of meaning. And I, I took a chance with him and I, 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 I let him join the orchestra uh, and then we had our first rehearsal and his parents came and they were so happy. He said, they were huh. so happy for letting our, he's going to really work hard. He, his dream is to be a master cellist and you've given him a shot, you know, and, and man, it made me feel good. I, could, I just That's had cool. a feeling about this kid. So I'm going to be interested to see him grow and really, you know, yeah. grow with him. So yeah, that was, that was a defining moment for me. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I mean, like, you know, you know, you're, it's cool to make great music, but wow, you're out there making great music and touching lives in the, uh, at the same time. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it is. I'm, yeah. You know, for that. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let's take a listen to one more of your songs. How about okay. we play American Landscape? All right.
All right. You just heard today's guest, David Benoit, with his song, American Landscape. So, David, what do you like to do when you're not making great music? Oh, well, uh, good question. Well, I'm a tennis player. Okay. So I've been playing pretty much my whole life. Okay. Uh, and so now at my age, I tend to prefer the the, the senior uh, doubles, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> because you get together a group of guys and we they're just laid back. Everyone's having a good time. So one of the things I really enjoy, I, I we, we've had so much rain here, which thank goodness we needed it. But uh, I haven't been able to play tennis in a while. So okay. I'm kind of anxious to get back. Uh, I also like bike riding, okay. uh, not serious bike riding. I, I'm yeah. very... Just I, I take my bicycle. There's a there's a path along the beach, uh-huh. and you ride along the ocean, and you go into these little towns like Hermosa Beach, Redondo, yeah, uh, Manhattan Beach. So I'll get on my bike. I mean, I have to throw it in the car because we live one, uh, up in Palos Verdes, up in the hills. Okay, I drive down to the strand and just pull the bike out and just ride along the strand. Then I'll have a little lunch, maybe a little cafe, some yeah. coffee. Coffee. I talk, say coffee like I'm on the East Coast. But- <laughs> And then that, so that bike riding, uh, walking, um, I also love to read, uh, read books, especially novels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, that's another thing I enjoy. I'm not, I'm not real big on sports, really uh-huh. just tennis is my main, uh, my main thing. And, and so, um, I guess, uh, and then I, I like to cook as well. So cooking's ah. a, a fun thing for me. And so I enjoy cooking for my family and, I find cooking to be also very therapeutic. Uh, That's especially cool. with a good, a good bottle of wine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a good, a good bottle of wine makes everything a little bit better. I think you know. Yes, that's right. <laughs> all right, so I, okay, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I love to ask all of our guests. I'm going to put you mm-hmm. on the spot a little bit here. So, <laughs> your three favorite albums of all time? Oh, um, easy. Okay. Okay. So, time out. Dave Brubeck mm-hmm. gets Gilberto, the you know the music of Antonio Carlos Jobim, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of blue Miles Davis. Oh yeah, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Miles makes that list a lot, but you've got some I great bet. ones here. You but know? I would say time out would be on there quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, time out. I've heard that one before too. I've heard that one before many times. Miles yeah. quite a bit. That's that yeah. one's probably the one I hear more often than any other so all right here's yep. another one for you hey you're having a dinner party and you can invite any three people living or deceased who's coming to your dinner party and what's on the menu oh well uh, this gentleman's deceased but he would need he would be in my dream you know bill evans yeah and his wife nanette uh, mm-hmm. who I, I used to know uh see bill I would like to meet President Biden. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Not to get political. I just yeah, kind of yeah. I like. He just seems like a real down to earth. I would invite him, and then I, I've I've actually uh, become friends with a with a novelist. I used to read all his novels, and then I wrote him a fan letter, and then he wrote me back, and we okay. became friends. A novelist named Dean Koontz. Okay. Yes, and I would, I'm I, familiar yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. 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 Dean, a great writer. So. It would be, yeah. Uh, so that would be an interesting three. And so the menu would be, uh, I would do beef Wellington. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Beef. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, a good beef Wellington is not an easy thing to come by. You know, no, like, it's not. It, it, it's very rare to find these days. It really is, and it's so delicious. Oh, I, I, I might, I might need to sneak into that dinner party, and I, yeah, I, I can, I can take it to go box. That's fine, you know. <laughs> so yeah, and, and of course, a nice bottle of Camus. There you uh, go. 2018 would work. Oof. So I mean, you know, so <laughs> you're you're speaking you're speaking my language, man. There you go. Speaking my language. <laughs> so I can't I can't um I can't have this conversation with you and not talk about your connection to the peanuts. How, of course. How did yeah. that all come to be and uh, what is it about, you know, that um that um that series that moves you? Well, that the beginning of that that story begins when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Started reading Peanuts. Um, it was on the second page of the L.A. Times. I don't know why it was there, but I uh, really related to Charlie Brown. And this is a lot of what I was saying earlier when I saw, sang that song because I was I lived that song. Yeah, and I think 
had an extra level of emotion because I was Charlie Brown. Yeah. I was never good at sports and I uh, was kind of a small kid and never really good at anything. And, and so of course learning the piano was, was what really saved me, but I just identify with it. And so fast forward to, you know, then the, then the, the Christmas show aired on 1965 and then I fell in love with the music and one and wanted to be Vince Guaraldi. So I, uh-huh. I, I learned his songs and tried to imitate him. And, and so then uh, fast forward to 1985, we recorded this side up, we added Linus and Lucy. Okay. But the funny thing is until then, you know, the, the, the Guaraldi Linus and Lucy kind of had been forgotten about, you know, it kind of, mm-hmm. it was just part of that Christmas show. And so I kind of revived it and then it became a, a number one single for me, uh, really helped me to, get to grp uh so i kind of made the song popular again of course of course now you, you always hear the garali version but it's mm-hmm. uh uh so anyway so the producer that produced all of those shows uh lee mendelson heard it and contacted my agent and asked if i would write music for uh the charlie brown uh this is america charlie brown do you okay. want to be up and and i was i was floored of course of course i would so i did yeah he wanted to bring back that Garaldi sound. He felt like I was somebody that could do that. So, yeah. uh, and then eventually I met, uh, Charles Schultz. And oh, we drove wow. Cool. I'll never forget that day having, uh, lunch with him at the Snoopy cafe and uh-huh. what a sweet and wonderful and amazing man. And wow. the first, right off the bat, he said, call me Sparky. Oh, wow. So, so, you know, it was only the last few years of his life because, because he he died in uh, 2000. So this was, this would have been the nineties. And so I was lucky to have that friendship with him um, short, but really meaningful. And, and that's kind of how it all came about. Yeah. That's awesome. That's fantastic. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, yeah, no doubt. But so what does 2023, what does this year hold for you, David? Another great question. It's a blank slate at this point, okay. for, which is rare for me. Um, and it could be a number of reasons. Uh, of course, I've I've had my health challenges, so I'm being very careful about sure. what I accept. But uh, I'm, I'm going to be, in fact, having a meeting with my management team uh, this week and talking about, you know, maybe maybe doing a big band record. Oh, uh, cool. I'll get my symphony music recorded. So that's... Uh, I've got a big band uh, concert, in fact, lined up at uh, Burke's Jazz Festival in oh, March. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be oh, out there. Well, there you go. So check it out. All yeah. right. Cool. I don't have the date in front of me, but it's during the festival. So okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I'll be doing, uh, we'll be performing our annual youth orchestra concert in May. And so kind of looking towards that. And and I'm still doing my my radio show, too, as well at K-Jazz. And yeah. Keeping that going, and so so right now, that's pretty much what I'm focusing on and writing some new music. And uh, I'm just gonna kind of 2023 is gonna be very interesting because so much of it depends on if I get a kidney. Yeah. So, if I get a, uh, so we're kind of in a little bit of a zone here, kind of a waiting zone. So, yeah. I have in, I'm intentionally not filled up my calendar, I want to gotcha. wait. Yeah, and they call me that I'm going to be down for a, at least a month, absolutely. Uh, so I'm just taking it pretty easy right now and just really hoping that uh, 2023 will be the year that UCLA gives me that call. And Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> well, we will be hoping against all hope with you for that, David. And oh. I really, I really appreciate you taking time today. I've so enjoyed our conversation and we wish you so much continued success, man. Oh, thank you, Carl. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Love the questions you've asked. A lot of fun and and, uh, challenging and and it's just really, really nice. Great. Well, thank you so much, man, for being our guest today. All right. Thank you. All right. Everybody, we want to let you know that tickets are available now for the 2023 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 25th and 26th at the Paps Theater in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We've got a great lineup featuring Larry Carlton, Paul Brown, Rick Braun, Julian Vaughn, Lynn Roundtree, Lindsay Webster, Ollie Silk, and Jeff Ryan. So be sure to go to freshcoastjazz.com for information and tickets. We hope to see you there. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, 
to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. Backstage.